Hello and welcome to the podcast of Tech EU. I am your host, Andrew Degler. In our today's episode, I would like you to listen to an interview that our editor Robin Wouters recorded in Lviv at the IT Arena conference in Ukraine back a couple of months ago. So he sat down with Ihar Mahanyok, the managing partner at Geek Ventures. Let's check this one out together. Hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.eu, and I'm so happy to finally have an interview live in person, a, people, a person with legs that I can see. Uh, it's quite extraordinary. I'm here at the IT Arena conference in Lviv, Ukraine. I'm sitting down with Ihar Mahanyok. He is a very active uh, investor, uh, ex-engineer working for Google, Facebook, but also a couple of startups and invested in quite a lot of startups. Uh, what brings you here? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, very glad to be also in in-person interview. I came to Lviv, uh, Ukraine to be in IT Arena. I was invited to judge startups in a startup competition and to tell a little bit about my investor uh, thesis. So I love Ukraine as a tech ecosystem. I'm originally from Belarus and, you know, Ukraine has always been a neighbor, has always been very friendly relationships and have a lot of friends from here. But most importantly, the startup ecosystem here is great. I uh, love helping startups here. And I love looking for interesting startups to invest in. Quite a few startups from uh, my portfolio have Ukrainian founders. So, uh, yeah, it's a natural um, fit for me to visit the biggest uh, conference in the country. Great. Have you been before to previous editions? No, uh, not yet. So this is my first time here, uh, but I'm hoping to be here many times. Great. I sort of mentioned uh, what you've done in your career so far, uh, but maybe you can do a much better job than I cancer? Uh, sure, yeah. So I have uh, been engineer by trade. I uh, grew my engineering chops and uh, my engineering leadership uh, career through, started with big tech, uh, spent some time at Google and Facebook, building uh, personalization and AI products um, and learning how to lead uh, teams in uh, big tech. Then um, I went to startup world, uh, also got some experience as a startup executive and uh, building large engineering teams while in the uh, in the parallel uh, investing in startups. So I started investing around 10 years ago uh, as an angel investor. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, world when you're investing your own money as opposed to just uh, managing uh, money. And uh, this like really helped me to be very connected to the startup founders and really understand uh, what they are doing so i was like kind of in the somewhat in the same boat although of course i wasn't spending as much time as they have and i was lucky to find really great startups early on instacart was one of my first investments pandadoc was another of my first investments that became very successful so far already and um uh, getting into this uh, uh, game early and like understanding what they uh, are trying to build very early and seeing what kind of problems they have and uh, uh, they overcame helped me to help startups after them, right? So when I came into People AI in 2016 or so, uh, I was able to see that um, this guy, the founder, Oleg, would be uh, very likely to be very successful. And I was right. Like in, I think, less than five years, they became a unicorn. And uh, the Oleg is from Ukraine as well. So, um, uh, yeah, and uh, um, having uh, this kind of people as uh, my first investments helps me, help me to grow my network. And uh, I, uh, I can uh, see many very interesting startups thanks to the 
uh, warm introductions from people I invested a long time ago. And now, um, you know, I'm glad that this track record helps me to um, come and be uh, part of the conferences like this one. Yeah. So the flywheel is spinning, as I say. Yes. Um, can you remember, if you go back to the times when you started doing angel investments, because that's also something you have to learn, right? And I'm guessing because you were always in a tech role, you looked at startups more from a technical pr- perspective. But then, of course, you have to sort of learn how to out like how successful they will be uh, in business, the total addressable market, how to actually you know do angel investments the right way. So, do you feel like you had to have uh, a steep learning curve there, or was it? Relatively there was steep? a definitely there was an interesting learning curve, right? So, and uh, of course, uh, different people arrive at their like you know um, some steps of their career differently. And I spent all my time in university learning tech and engineering, and then I learned business. Uh, on the way while, of course, understanding, first of all, how Google and Facebook do business internally, how they build products, how they understand their metrics and uh, growth and so on. I really paid attention to it inside, even though my engineering role didn't always require that. But uh, uh, working with startup founders helped me to understand how they think about it, how they do it. And of course, uh, I spent a lot of time learning how other investors to um, business, how they look at other startups. I also, of course, looked in detail at startups that I didn't invest in as well. There were quite a few startups that I either advised or mentored. Uh, and even though I didn't invest, I, I, you know, it's always a two-way street, right? So I help them in some way, but I also learn how they do things. And uh, uh, it's very important when you, you know, give somebody advice. You don't just like listen to yourself. You also listen to somebody you advise. And yeah, all of this helped me to be at my um, current stage where in 2021, I started my uh, venture fund, Geek Ventures, uh, that uh, is specifically focused on uh, investing in great uh, Eastern European founders that usually have great tech, but often don't uh, have enough uh, uh, yet uh clarity on how to grow their business in the US and I'm uh, how, and I'm trying to validate their tech by using my engineering background and helping them to fundraise and grow their business in the US using my uh, business experience with yeah I'm guessing there's there's a uh, lots of demand for that because there's so many um, there's so much talent here in the CE region in general and there's so much you know really good products being built but I feel like taking the next step and bridging that you know heading to the US market and doing it the right way uh, is something that I'm guessing a lot of founders here need advice on. So do you feel like you're, this is only just getting started? Oh, definitely it's only getting started. It's growing. Um, uh, it's uh, um, not really, you know, it's it's not really like super early, like it was 10 years ago, but it's not saturated at all. I see every year there are more and more startups and they more and more of like information and knowledge is already here. So what me uh, what it means is that startups that are just, starting or just like one or two months old already have enough understanding because there is ecosystem that helps them like early accelerators that understand the business other founders that help them there is information and uh, uh, a lot of uh, great examples of exits and success including like people ai becoming a unicorn this year including grammarly including uh, uh, PetQ, preply other companies uh, it helps a lot of people to make uh, the decision and to jump. Like smart people who have been uh, part of bigger companies um, uh, leave and become founders. And I think this is very important for ecosystem. And what I'm trying to do on my side is support them uh, in this journey 
first by you know making sure that you know I'm trying to bring more um, uh, money to support them through through the fund, and second is advising and coaching uh, in any way I can, and of course helping to uh, select and uh, um, showcase the best ones through participating as a judge in the competitions. Yeah. Well, great to, to hear that the ecosystems here are also sort of taking shape and maturing uh, the same way that they, they are all across Europe, I would say. Um, but of course, different stages at different speeds. Um, what do you feel when you talk to entrepreneurs, not just in Ukraine, but like uh, in general, uh, are still some of the, the big mistakes that, that people make when they start looking for, for their first fundraising round or, or entering a market like the US? Um, because I feel like oftentimes in Europe, very strong tech talent, but not always the, the necessary skills to scale a company, which is something, you know, if you're a first-time entrepreneur and you really haven't done that before, you don't have examples to look at uh, yet, then that's that's very tricky because you, you have to learn sort of while you're doing it. Um, do, do you find that those are the skills that they, they lack most often? Or I think the biggest mistake that I still see, of course, not in every startup, but I still see it from time to time, is that uh, founders don't pay enough attention to customer research. You know, they might have a great idea, they might have a great tech, and they might spend a lot of time uh, building a prototype. But uh, when you don't have enough customer research, that prototype might not be needed. There is sometimes a wrong understanding of uh, markets or like selection of markets, right? I still think that uh, if startup from Ukraine chooses some like Western European market, it's kind of worst of both worlds. They choose something that's culturally quite far from them, that's uh, still difficult to penetrate, but it's much smaller market than the US, right? So I think that the best is either you start very locally where you have all the benefits of understanding the market, uh, but then go to the largest market of them all is US, right? So And not do like in the intermediate stages. Another thing uh, that I find... Uh, is that they don't do research on the other side on the competition. And uh, they often come into the market and they try to sell and market and uh, they are surprised that they are not successful, but they're not, they sometimes are not successful because there are competitors that they don't know about. So you need to be very thoughtful about this, about researching your customers' needs and researching your competition. Yeah, great. Um, you are based in the US, as you already mentioned, New York City. Um, how do you keep track of what's going on here in Europe? Yeah, so I focus on startups that want to build in the U.S., right? So so I I don't really need to keep a track on what's um, happening from perspective of market in Europe, right? So I'm really trying to focus on uh, startups that come to the U.S. And what, uh, what I'm focusing on is uh, startups that are being created. And that's, of course, when they are not in the market in the U.S. yet, it's difficult. But that's the most, uh, my biggest uh, weapon there is uh, network and uh, knowing great people, right? So I always in touch with uh, successful founders because often these successful founders being contacted by local entrepreneurs, especially successful founders who who live in the in Ukraine right now because they're much more uh, approachable. Like, for example, my friend Yaroslav Ajnuk from Petcube, he has been very successful already. He has lived in the U.S., but now he moved back to Kiev, Ukraine, and he's been like a local epicenter in a way that people uh, reach out to him. I keep in touch with uh, multiple accelerators here. So I've built relationships with, uh, uh, with the leads in these accelerators, and I try to know what's happening some of accelerators i am invited as a mentor like founder founder institute accelerator i'm a mentor i have been mentoring some startups in lift 99 and i'm working with other accelerators right now to 
basically establish more relationship. This is another thing. And yeah, events like IT Arena there that I actually visit in person. So there are so many different ways. And this is just Ukraine. Of course, uh, Ukraine is one of my focus countries, but I also look at Belarus. Uh, I look at uh, other Eastern European countries, Russia, uh, Poland, uh, Georgia, Armenia. And uh, I think the best way for me is to keep uh, in touch with local ecosystem leaders. That's what I'm doing, that's yeah. what I'm building. Yeah. Uh, because you mentioned Belarus, uh, where you're originally from, um, I had the pleasure of going to Minsk a few years ago to sort of uh, hang out with local entrepreneurs and investors. Of course, what has happened in the last, uh, let's say, six months has been quite, ex well, quite extraordinary and quite, quite shameful, I would say. For the, do you have any thoughts on that? Or do you, do you it's very challenging it? right now, right? So what we uh, see that a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, smart people have been... Uh, finding it difficult to continue business in Belarus and have been uh, leaving, I think that, uh, and also uh, ecosystem leaders, right? So Imaguru, for example, is a, has been an amazing co-working center and conference leader who had, like, they have done, I think, two or three conferences a year. Yeah, they're yeah. also the ones who invited me back when, when I went you to see, yeah. yeah. They have been, like, undisputed uh, ecosystem leader. They, unfortunately, have had to leave the country and they uh, have been building up their center now in Vilnius. So I'm, you know, on one hand, it's very sad that they are not present physically in Belarus right now, but on the other hand, they are... Um, now building um, ecosystem also focused actually on Belarus and expats, but in Vilnius and Lithuania. So I, you know, I will be definitely in touch with them there. Uh, but there is something happening. For example, next week, uh, I am invited to mentor a group of Belarusian startups uh, who are actually physically in Minsk through Belarusian Angel Band. And so there are some ecosystem players still there. Uh, I do also find uh, Belarusian startups that keep their Belarusian identity while physically in other countries. Like, for example, there is a startup physically in Kiev. Uh, it's it's in stealth yet, but it's like all of the founding team is Belarusian. And uh, they already, of course, hired some people from Ukraine as well. But uh, the founding team is Belarusian and uh, we knew each other for a while. I ended up investing in them. And uh, I feel that, you know, even though they're in Kiev, they're Belarusian startup. So yeah, same thing happens in Warsaw, in Moscow. Yeah, yeah uh, it's quite amazing to see how resilient a lot of these uh, ecosystem people are, especially the entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah, we'll see how this uh, this continues to play out. Um, have you, or top of your head, can you name some startups that you're keeping track of in, in Ukraine or Belarus that we should be aware of that will probably make it big, but are still very early stage? Great question. So some of the startups are so early that I cannot even name them because they are kind of in a stealth mode. Let me think about um, uh, my portfolio. So, so there is this uh, startup that I invested this year, Gainy, that has a remote team, uh, mostly in Ukraine, and but also has employees in Russian Belarus. That's a finance stock um, recommendation app. Um, there is a company that's already that I already invested in. That's kind of a little bit. You, a lot of you might have heard about it called Computera. They are doing a price uh, comparison engine for retail. And uh, they are real, you know, more experienced. I think more than five years old, but they are now actually at inflection point. So I believe that they might get to, you know, to be really noticeable and big uh, after they conquer the U.S. market. So there are very interesting startups that I'm looking at. I know that uh, the, some of the guys who worked at Reface, which is by itself a famous startup, are starting new companies that I unfortunately. It's difficult for me uh, to name because they asked me to be stealth, so they might be really um, 
but you know, ask me next year, so I'll, I'll tell you. Yes, so it's always a very tricky question because you know, when I'm talking very early, uh, then it's um, tough to name them. I think one of the players that I really like that I always mention as a future unicorn is um, Apodil. That's a company that uh, has Russian founder that has had a big Odessa office and a big Minsk office. They are doing ad tech uh, uh, B2B solution for mobile apps. And, uh, you know, they have been uh, noticeable in the, in the mobile market. And another one is Zero Avia. Zero Avia has Russian founders. They're active more in US and UK, but they're building an engine uh, that works on hydrogen fuel for planes. And their goal is to have zero emission flight that has no harm for environment. I think it's amazing. And they're very close to actually have commercial solution. So they're in a very long R&D phase, but I think that when they will have a commercial solution, they will be a unicorn. Yeah. Well, they were definitely on my radar. The other ones weren't. So thank you for the tips. It's really helpful. Uh, have you seen, because you've been judging the startup competition uh, here at AT Arena, we're only at the beginning of day two. So I'm guessing you haven't seen all of them yet, but uh, did uh, any of the startups stand out for you or? Uh, I actually didn't see the startups yet, right? Okay, so, so I think the uh, semifinal is later today and I'm judging the final. So um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually planning to uh, keep my slate clean. So when I can judge in the final, I'll actually look at the startups for the first time. So to be absolutely fair and just... Uh, Do you feel, because I've done this a lot in the last 15 years, like judging startup competitions and whatnot, but I find that sometimes you're sort of judging the pitch more than the business because it's very difficult to communicate in two, three minutes what you actually do. So what, what do you pay attention to when you hear uh, founders on stage? So here's an important thing. I do judge the business. And if the pitch doesn't give me enough information about the business, uh, then I would judge it lower, right? So yes, in one hand, I judge the business based on what's in the pitch. So uh, it's possible that I will uh, judge great business lower because they couldn't pitch. But it's very unlikely. I mean, uh, I hope that they're all being very truthful and correct. I wouldn't like overjudge uh, business and uh, give them like higher marks just because they had a great pitch. So because to me, it's it's not necessarily about pitching level or how beautiful the presentation is, but more about the fact that if you have a great business, you should be able to tell about strong suits. If you have a great business but couldn't communicate it, well, then something is wrong. Yeah, I'm going to use this opportunity to show also from my side. I find that a lot of founders in these parts are not very good at storytelling. And that's a skill you can learn, right? There's resources online, uh, sometimes available for free to sort of uh, develop those skills. And I think that's so important because it's not just for pitching at, at startup companies, it's also for, for recruitment, you know, when you, when you go out to raise, when you land customers and partners, storytelling and communication about what you do is so important. And I find that often becomes sort of a, a secondary thing for a lot of the founders here. We're often very technical, right? So. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. So that's actually, I've seen, I even, it's funny, I've seen a startup somewhat recently where a guy I spoke with, a founder, wasn't sure who is CEO in their company. And I'm like, this is just such a giant red flag for me. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, we are here with co-founder and we both are kind of leading the company. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm CEO, maybe he's CEO. And like, no, you need to choose a person who is better storyteller and name them CEO. And that's it. Stop there, right? So, and if you cannot choose, well, you know, somebody should pick a course, as you say, learn storytelling and become a CEO, right? Because as I was talking in my uh, IT arena um, speech, is that this is one of the core, core features of a great startup, is that CEO is great at selling and CEO is great at storytelling. 
If you are not doing that, well, go and learn and do that. So because that's extremely important. Oh, agreed. Uh, well, thank you so much for volunteering your time here in the VIF. I uh, hope you have a very, very good uh, rest of IT Arena. It's a pleasure to get to know you and uh, best of luck with uh, the rest of uh, Geek Ventures. Uh, thank you very much. My pleasure to have been invited. And yeah, I would love to find great startups around here. Thank you. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse. That is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andrew Daigler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.